You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. So you know, along with being an award-winning podcaster, I'm also the Chief Disability Officer at Bumpin', right? Where we are designing the world's first disability-driven sex toy. Well, guess what? We have an awesome deal that I want to tell you all about right now. For all you deliciously disabled lovers out there, we've reduced the price of our world's first disability-driven sex tech, the bump and joystick, by 20%. That means you can pre-order this amazing device that's going to change the world around sex tech and disability for only $1.99. How awesome is that? That's really, really cool. And this is a great gift. Also, if you're non-disabled and you want to do something for the disabled community, this is an awesome thing to do for us on Valentine's Day and show that our sexuality matters. If you want to pre-order one for that hot disabled person in your life, this is a great opportunity to do that because we are only doing small runs of the toy and we want you to get your hands on it first. So head over to getbumpin.com and take advantage of our 20% off sale right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm here with my friend Kristen, who's a friend of the show, and you've heard her on the show before. But did you know she's also a counselor in training with a physical disability? Hey Kristen, can you tell us more about that? Hey Andrew, I sure can. Um, I've been working as a peer support counselor for about seven years now, and I'm now expanding my services, offering trauma-informed accessible support to community members. Uh, Some of the things I cover are anxiety, depression, grief, relationship issues, and all from a disability-centered standpoint. I I love that so much, and I love that we're finally talking about offering disability-centered counseling 
to other disabled folks because it's so rarely in the field and I'm so glad you're doing that. And so I wonder, Kristen, are you offering these services to, oh, I don't know, listeners of a particular podcast on this particular ad right now? Absolutely, Andrew. I'm offering accessible services to listeners of this podcast and anyone else who's interested in contacting me. And she's also doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You're also doing it whether you're disabled or not, which is totally great. So this service is for everyone. And I think what makes it unique is that even if you're not disabled, you can learn things from a disability centered lens. And I think that's really important. Yes. So Kristen, this is awesome. And this is so great. Can you tell us what your hours are like? Sure. Right now I'm able to offer pretty flexible availability to meet the needs of everyone. I know that um, sometimes having physical disabilities and just life being busy in general, it's hard to uh, make time for things like counseling, but I think it's really important. So um, when we touch base, hopefully we can work out a time that works for you. That's awesome. Now, you know, you and I know from trying to get traditional counseling services in, in the past, how often financially inaccessible they are. So what's the cost of all this great service? Yeah, because I believe that uh, counseling should be accessible and affordable for everyone. My fee right now is a sliding scale starting at $20 per hour. That is so, that's, that is, that's like basically cheaper than anything you can buy on Amazon right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So I want everybody to know how they can get a hold of you and how they can, how they can, access your services because what you're offering is so important. How do people get a hold of you? So right now, the best way to reach me is through email. It's kristen.williams10 at gmail.com. That's kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at gmail.com. Amazing. I'll make sure also, Kristen, that all of this is in the show notes for the episode today. Thank you so Thanks. much for just- Thank you so much for being here and telling us what you do. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark. If you can believe it, we're already at episode 280. What? How crazy is that? We're already at 280 already. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started. Today on the show, it is February 5th, and February, as many of you know, is the is the Black History Month, the month where we celebrate black history. Of course, we should be celebrating black history every single day, 
365 because it's very important that we remember that so many of us live on colonial lands and we are we are attributing to colonialism whether we realize it or not and we have to be very aware of our privilege i i am very aware of my privilege as a white disabled creator so for this month i thought it was appropriate important and necessary to uplift some of my favorite black disabled folks that i've spoken to within the last year and i have quite a really good roster for the month coming up and i'm excited to share these these folks with you on the on these episodes in february so for today let me tell you all about my first guest For my first guest today, I sit down with my new friend, Gift Chuma, who is somebody that I did some work with back in November, December for the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. We did a talk for someone in Toronto, a company in Toronto, the Ontario Bar Association. We did some work for them. And as we were talking, I was like, you're really cool. You should come on my podcast and we should talk about stuff. So Gift Agreed, and we sat down and talked about disability. We talked about um, sexuality. We talked about the difference between between ableism in Zimbabwe and Canada. We talked about so many different things here, and I loved sitting down with him and sharing our experiences together. Gift tells us that ableism in Zimbabwe and ableism in Canada is extremely different. Ableism in Zimbabwe is really connected to religion and witchcraft and sometimes he like he shares stories of his childhood and what it was like for him to navigate people thinking his family was cursed um we share how the ableism in canada is much quieter than it is in zimbabwe but it's still there and then of course we talk about um his experiences dating as a black disabled man and what that's been like for him um he tells us he's an inspiration porn artist and I really had a good chat with him. He was really fun, really easy to listen to, had a lot to say. I really enjoyed chatting with him. He's somebody that I will consider a friend for a very long time. Um, and I'm really, really excited to introduce him to you. So without further ado, here is my in- my interview with inspiration porn artist Gift Chuma right now on Disability After Dark. Give Shuma, hello. Oh, did I say it wrong already? <laughs> we just, we, okay, let me try again. Give Chuma, hello. Better, yes? Correct? Yes, perfect. Very good. Hi, Gift. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. We, you and I met uh, probably by the time this comes out a few months ago now, although when we we're recording, yeah. we met like a month ago, just about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We did some work for the Ontario Bar Association. We did a lecture series for them on International Day of Persons with Disabilities. So, mm-hmm. and after our thing, I was like, yo, come on my podcast, talk about things. So <laughs> here we are doing that. So hello. Hello. I I feel like my, my dream came true, you know, because you're like a celebrity that I've always wanted to meet. Oh, and, well, that feels weird. I'm so not um, a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the crip world you're, you're, you're one of the celebrities you know so it, it felt it felt really nice to when, when you gave me your number i was like damn this is nice 
But I'm so honored. I, I certainly don't feel like a celebrity, and I certainly don't. <laughs> I try not to act like one because, like, it, but th- but also thank you. It means a lot. It's like I'm so glad you get to be here. I remember yeah. listening to you when we did our thing for the Ontario Bar Association. I was yeah. like, this guy is really has a lot to say, and I was like, we have this commitment to make a fun podcast. And then we we did a FaceTime with a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Massimo, who I know yeah. is listening right now. Hi, Massimo. Um, hey, Massimo. <laughs> and then we just, we basically like tore the shit out of Massimo for an hour over FaceTime. And I was like, this guy is hilarious. Come on the show more. And so here we are. Um, and so I know who you are. But for anybody who's listening, who's like, who is Gift and why is he on Andrew's show? Can you introduce yourself to us? Sure. Tell us who you are. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so my name is Gift Chuma. I am a disability rights activist and consultant, and I am also uh, an artist. Uh, I'm a singer, a songwriter, and... Hold on, hold on. I didn't know how... I didn't know, like, the whole back half of that. A singer and a songwriter. <laughs> I, I guess someone needed to do, do a little bit more digging on me, eh? What I mean, if I, I was a criminal? Did. I guess I didn't do I guess I didn't do my my due diligence. Like wow, I didn't know you were I didn't know you were a singer. So that changes my whole question. Like I have 10 more questions that I'm gonna ask you in a second. But wow. So singer, songwriter, and then what else do you do? Um and uh yeah, uh, accessibility consultant and uh yeah, and uh, disability rights activist. Uh so yeah, I've been in the scene uh, within the disability rights scene for a little bit over 12 years now and uh i've been doing music um for like 18 years thereabouts um and uh yeah and then yeah that's that's basically me my family my brother and my dad are are musicians like so so i know i don't i don't know anything about music but I know that musicians are cool. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> but like, so that's, that's awesome. Um, and I now I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about music later. But yeah. before I get into that one, um, one of the things I ask all the guests on the show is usually, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your life? And you and I talked about how we're not going to disclose what your disability is. Yeah. But I want to understand, I want to understand how your disabilities impact yeah. your, your day-to-day life and how yeah. they make you feel. Yeah. So basically, uh, for those, because I, I realize this is a podcast. Um, so I'm a wheelchair user and um, yeah, I use a motorized wheelchair uh, to move around. I have a physical disability and um, I rely a lot on my caregivers when it comes to personal care and feeding and such. Um, and um, I've had my disability from birth. Um, so, uh, a lot of, uh, my experience has been navigating barriers within systems, navigating barriers within my caregiving, uh, for a little bit over 30 years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically me and, uh, yeah, the, the barriers that I've been experiencing, you know, have varied. It has ranged from areas within the dating scene to like the workforce to uh school um and uh yeah it's been it's it's been fun navigating that and figuring out creative ways um uh, yeah 
Just I'm giggling at you because you said that it would be fun. And I, just the way you said fun, you're like, it's been fun navigating all this stuff. And we all know that's bullshit. <laughs> sure, it's so fun. It's so fun. So let, 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 me, let me rephrase for a second here. So like fun isn't in the sense of like, it's I'm always challenged to figure out how to navigate, you know, spaces that are designed to be exclusive. Um, yeah. So that's that's and that's actually helped with like my 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 critical thinking and you know um, but the experience itself hasn't been fun for sure uh, but uh, so yeah. like you enjoy the challenge of like trying to figure out solution exactly that's basically how my brain is kind of wired it kind of it gets a high off that and uh, oh that's cool we need. We need more people in the space because I, you know, I think my brain, when I discover a challenge or something I can't do, mm. I need to, I need to be more like you and like, let's find a solution. My brain immediately goes to fucking, I hate this. Give me the <laughs> thing I want right now so I can access the thing I want right now. <laughs> so like, I think we need people, more disabled people need to like be angry first, but then maybe move into a place of like, yeah, let's yeah. find a solution. Yeah, and like you know what, Andrew? Like, um, I think much of like the way I think and process things, it's actually due to my mom. Like, my mom was always being like, you know what? Uh, nothing is ever gonna be handed to you. You gotta figure out things on your own and make it work. And also, growing up in a country, I was born in Zimbabwe. Um, so growing up in a country, um where um, resources, uh, social service resources were not easily available, you had to figure out creative ways to make things work without uh, access to of those resources for people with disabilities. Yeah. Um, and it meant like, you know, things like caregiving and, and access, you had to depend on friends and family uh, yeah. alone. I so, mean, I, you know, and I want to get to that because we think of, in a lot of disability rights work, people who are disability rights activists, especially in the West, are yeah. super privileged when we yeah. say disability rights and we expect a certain sense of like, this will be there, this will happen, this will happen. And right. I find when I talk to disabled people from other countries and other experiences and other like, it's completely different. So I would love for you to just yeah. give us a like overview or give just give us an education on uh, like what it was like for you growing up in Zimbabwe as a disabled person. Yeah, yeah. So um, just for those like who are listening, just for context and visualization here. Uh, so I am uh, a black male, a black disabled man. And um, so, yeah, uh, growing up in Zimbabwe, um, there isn't this almost zero resources available for people with disabilities. It's very limited. Um, if you do have access to those resources, it's because your family has a bit of cash um, to yeah. afford those resources. Um, and um, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in a family that was doing okay financially. Um, and also that family also had a very good, uh, strong ties, which meant that I relied for caregiving from my cousins, you know, from my aunts and uncles. So 
there's a huge difference. It's like there is a responsibility that the family takes on. And it's not necessarily the immediate uh, family like your siblings, but it's also your extended family that takes that responsibility on. Um, on a given year, I would have like, you know, like 10 different cousins coming to help me out. <laughs> you know, like some of them would stay at, at our place for like four months, six months, you know. Wow. And um, yeah, so uh, that was the that was the situation. And then um, just like also even for cultural differences, um, like basically back home in Zimbabwe, like you, everyone has like uh, a maid, for example. It's not like the rich of the rich that have um a maid. So like we we had like a maid and like that maid was like helping us out as well, like helping yeah. with caregiving and such. Um and that's all that's seriously like part of the culture. It's like, you know, even the maids have maids. Wow. <laughs> you know I what would, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you don't need to be like upper middle class to to have that because just like job opportunities right everyone is always looking for job opportunities yeah and uh, you do what you can and when it came to like accessing adaptive equipment like motorized chair or economic seats and all that stuff that had to come out of pocket you know because the government didn't cover that yeah um so please please tell me that it's gotten better since then they like are they so are they covering it now or is it still like you have to have money to make it go? No, you still need to have money unless like, there's like private donors that are able to uh, to foot the bill. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still like that. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a country that has like a thousand percent inflation, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I wish, and I've talked to other people who grew up in, you know, in other parts of the world who said the same thing, like, if you don't have money, you're not getting the best chair. You're not even getting a chair. You, 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 so like. Exactly. Then that, that, you're basically now like, okay, so if you don't have money, it's like fend for yourself or you can become a superstar and be, you know, uh, on television for Red Cross, but you're going to look like crap. You know what I mean? They'll let you have a fly, you know, go on top of your lip in exchange for a new wheelchair you know what i mean so (laughs) those are the options you have right it's either your family has money or you meet some like rich white person who wants to save you from the poverty or wants to save you from poverty or you know you are part of the red cross ad and um you have to close with like a booger running down your nose <laughs> and, you know, a fly going on top of your eyelid. Oh, no. Oh, you no. Know? So. <laughs> but I mean, that speaks to like the level of ableism that people, again, I think in disability rights activism in the West and in Canada mm-hmm. um, and in North America, the idea of not having access to a power chair, not having access to these things is like, People are outraged by it. Whereas like what you're telling me and the audience now is like, oh yeah, that's commonplace in Zimbabwe. That's that's but, yeah. like unless like, you're coming from a a family that has, you know, some money yeah. or connections somehow. Yeah. And I think we need to be definitely reminded of like the privilege and being able to do 
disability uh-huh. rights work in the West and know that like a wheelchair is standard, a mobility device is a standard thing that you can apply yeah. for funding for and, you know, yeah. get eventually through funding or through like something like GoFundMe, whereas like in those yeah. other places, that's not possible. And I think that shows the how much work we have to do to, to broaden our idea of what disability rights work looks like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like, you know, while we are broadening our idea of, you know, disability rights, I mean, I it doesn't mean that like what we are fighting for in the, in the West um, is not valid. It still means like it's still important, right? Um, it's like everything has to be relative to the way the system is designed. Of course. So, it's like our needs within the West, they're not being met because we have a system that's been put in place, but distribution of resources is not maximized considering, you know, the services that, considering the structures that we have in place. Yeah. So this the, the fight is still fair, even though it's coming out of a place of a bit of a privilege, but it's still fair because it's like, we have access to this, so we should have high expectations yeah um <laughs> i guess and i guess that's what i'm saying i'm saying like the privilege that a lot of white disabled people have mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. just say oh I, I need i need this i'm gonna start to go fund me or i'm gonna go do yeah. this or i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna apply to this funding source to get a wheelchair yeah. or to get yeah. a mobility device a lot of black disabled people don't have that resource, yeah. especially those yeah. who don't live in a western country so that's true that's true. That's true. And, you know, sometimes, um, like I remember when I first moved to Canada, um, I was sh- I was shy to like even look. I didn't even know where to look when it came to resources, right? Because all I had known was that family, 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 or yeah. a connection, a friend of a friend who has a connection, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't know about that, you know? knocking at every organization, knocking at every governmental structure to get what I need. You know what I mean? So I had to kind of rewire my brain uh, when it came to access and also when it came to advocacy, right? Um, And then like when we talk about ableism, uh, ableism back home manifested in different ways than here. Um, Whereas like here it's like, Ableism is very apparent within like the medical system that like, you yeah. know, but back home, it is like from like a spiritual or religious sense. So right? it's like, is it like, I'm going to put my hands on you and I'm going to heal your disability. There you like... go. Or like, were your parents bewitched, right? Like, did they? Oh, do... no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, what did your daddy do in the uh, uh, back in the day before they had you? You know what I mean? That made you become a demon child or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, some like witch doctor might have like, you know, done some stuff and. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so this. So, so you, can, you can tell me if you want to talk about this or not. What did? <laughs> what did they? Did they say anything about your about you when you were born? Like when you were. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like. Uh, on my dad's side of the family, they were blaming my mom. They thought like my mom did something and she was cursed to now have, you know, kids with oh, disabilities. Because no. I have also a brother who's, uh, who's disabled as well. 
Um, and so, yeah, so since like we're five in the family, but two of us have a disability. Um, cool, cool. The best two in the family have a disability. Exactly. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so like she was blamed, like, what did she do? You know? Oh, no. Yeah. So the curse I know, we're was... talking like 30 years ago, so it's only like 1990, you know, like. Yeah, actually, we're talking even more than that because my brother is older than me, uh, the one who has a, a disability. He's like 42. Yeah. So we're talking like 42 years ago. So basically 78. Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. 78. Yeah. Because wow. he's turning 43 shortly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. So 79, 79, yeah, 79. Yeah. But still, like that to think that in 1979 people yeah. were still like, yo, I think a I think you're cursed and a yeah. witch got you. <laughs> like, yeah. like wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Like, how do you think is there a way to change that cultural belief system? To... No, I I don't think there's a way to change that. Uh just like is there a way to change how ableism is manifested within the Western society, right? That's like, true, yeah. Um, it's like so deep-rooted that it goes way back, right? So it's not only from a spiritual sense, it also even comes from like, you know, the religion too. So it's like, you know, like um, cultural practice plus Western religion as well, right? So there's yeah. a huge Christian community in my country, but there's also huge community when it comes to like our traditional uh you know uh practices which include witchcraft so when people are saying ableist things they it's usually a mixture of our traditional religious practices and the western christian practices because colonialism hello um there's a huge uh, christian community back home right and it's all intertwined and mixed with our own traditional religious practices. I mean, I don't think we talk enough about the impact colonial colonialism has on ableism. And I think like mm-hmm. you should do you should do a whole lecture series on that shit, man. Like I would, <laughs> I, would I would pay for that because you know it's there, but we don't talk about it enough. But it is definitely intertwined. Um, yeah. But I do yeah. like I feel for your poor mom and dad just being like, we didn't do anything. Our kids just have yeah. disabilities. Like, it is yeah. what it is. Because basically it got to a point where like my dad's side of the family didn't want anything to do with us or with my mom because oh, of how no. disabled. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, so no. yeah, like we're not going to associate with that person who's been bewitched, you know? Um, oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you could just say you've been decrypt. <laughs> next time they come at you just be like no no no, no. i've been because thank you thank you bye but no, no i i can imagine like that for you as a kid growing up kind of like hearing this or kind of knowing this yeah it must have been really hard because what what can you do you just happen to be disabled yeah yeah i mean like it was hard but like my mom's side of the family like they were so supportive like that those are the cousins i'm talking about and the aunts that i'm talking about like they were like all in to help. Like disability was never a factor on my mom's side of the family, but my dad's side of the family, it was a whole new level because my dad's side of the family, they they were serious like um, 
in, in practicing witchcraft and stuff, you know, like they, they were firm believers in that, you know? <laughs> so, so it must have been like so hard for you. Like that's gotta be hard for you as the person in the center of all that being like, I'm just disabled. This is what I'm just like, I don't, this, it's, yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and like even going in public, right? Like going in public, people would stare. Like I'm sure you've also experienced uh, in public where people were staring at you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but back home, it was like more of a constant, right? Because families that had um, a child with the with the visible disability, um, if like they were ashamed, they would keep their child at home. So they wouldn't go downtown with the child or anything like so their that. Their child has no social life and no like no. sense of the. That's horrible. No. I really you know, don't. unless like the child, unless the family doesn't give a, <laughs> a damn, you know, and they and does it anyway. And does it anyways, you know. So like when the the public sees a disabled person, it's kind of like shock. They let you out. You are here. Oh like, no, they let happening? you out. You know, wow. I mean, they don't say that. I'm, I'm exaggerating. No, of course part. not. But like, <laughs> the look is like, oh, you're allowed to be a human. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like I'd forgotten what was that. That was like because five years ago, I went back home for the first time uh, in a while, and and I, I, you could have sworn that like I was a celebrity because my brother and I, we had a crowd of people following us downtown just like staring like legit staring you know you could you could definitely monetize this celebrity status you have yeah. there and be like listen if you're gonna follow me buy me lunch if you're gonna follow me, <laughs> me like, if you're gonna follow me hell yeah here yeah you know so um yeah how does that kind of able like how to what are the differences between the ableism you experience at home like that and the ableism you experience in Canada? Um, hmm. The ableism in Canada is a little bit more subtle. Is it? Uh, it's a little bit, a little bit more subtle. And I'm not saying it's better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying it's better, but... Um, it's just quieter. It's quieter. You can still go on the street and do your own business. And you won't experience as many people coming out of nowhere and asking you invasive questions about your disability. You know, it happens, but it won't happen as frequently yeah. as back home. Okay. So like back home, like I would always have someone staring at me, you know, or someone that just coming like, oh, what did you, what did your parents do? Were you born like this? What happened? Have you gone to see... Have you gone to see a witch doctor to be healed or have you gone oh, to see no. a pastor to be healed? Do you know what I mean? So when somebody comes out comes out of the woodwork and asks you at home, like, have you gone to the witch doctor? I like I know how to to answer what happened to you from a Western perspective. Yeah, like yeah. nothing happened to me. Fuck off. Thank you. Bye. Like, but what is so my you... typical response would be that like God god made me this god wanted me to be like this and there's nothing wrong with how god made me right and when i would say god i would not necessarily be relating to like only christianity but i'd also be trying to come to the same level as that person whatever religion they are with or that they're attached to right yeah. um, because they 
there's very small percentage of people who can claim that they are atheists back home. Um, like it's a very, you are either into Western religion or you're into traditional religion. Um, it's very rare that you come across people who do not believe in any spiritual form at all. Yeah. And so given all the, this is a question that I didn't write down and I'm just going to throw mm-hmm. it out there. But given all the stuff and all the way that people treat disability through religion and through witchcraft and all these things, how has that has that informed your sense of spirituality? Yeah, um, I mean, I grew up I grew up in a Christian home, right? Um, and that's what actually helped me navigate um, a lot of the ableism uh, that I was dealing with uh, in public. Um, and what like the comfort that I took in like there was this passage that I had read that I came across in the Bible that talked about you know uh, how like you know people were asking Jesus like oh how come this man is blind did the parents do anything uh, for him to be like this and Jesus just responded and said no there's nothing wrong with him like that's just how I made him and that's I wish more people would read that part of that blue passage yeah. and like remember that. That needs to be on a shirt somewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you're so right. Like, there's not enough people, even yeah, within the who, who read that because there's still so many like uh, quote unquote prophets within the Christian Western society that are out there and going to try to heal disabled folks. You know and. I've been victim of that, like where like I was in a church minding my own business and like this passage just comes to me and just like starts praying for me, trying to (laughs) trying to make me walk, you know what I mean? So like that has been, you know, in my faith journey, that has been the most challenging part, you know, but I've been able to kind of like separate that and just focus on my own like spiritual path and ignore <laughs> yeah all just ignore. this like crap yeah all this like pre-able stuff and it's hard because deep down underneath all the ableism you know they're trying to come from like a good place and you know that mm-hmm. that's i think what makes it so hard when i was like probably about 10 years ago i went to the, to a mall in toronto mm-hmm. and i'm jewish and some jewish uh, good, like guy who was really religious saw yeah. me at the mall and was like can I do a Jewish prayer on you? And I was like, well, not really, but I mean, I'm also Jewish and so are you. So I guess like, all right, sure, do it. And so he, I let him do it. And then I felt really weird after. And I was like, how do I feel about this? I don't know. And I, like, I let him do it because he was an old man and he wanted to just do something kind. And so I was like, okay. But also like, do you notice how when your prayer was done, I didn't walk? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not healed. It's fine. Yeah, and I yeah. think like, the way we're publicly, the way that it happens to us so much in public, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you see how at the end of his prayer, like, God didn't save me from that. I'm still in a wheelchair the minute the prayer is done. Like, nothing right. changed. Right. And you know how I've navigated that, especially within the, the Christian community, was that, like, look, if God wanted me to walk, I would wake up tomorrow morning fully able-bodied and walking. Yeah. without having a special person 
pray over me. Yeah. If that's actually in God's will, you know what I mean? And if that, God wanted me to do this, he would come to me exactly by himself and say like, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and, to, you know, tomorrow I just wake up like and people just lose their mind and like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know? but, but God would decide that like, or whoever's up there would decide that for me with me, yeah. to, the two of us together. Um, yeah. want to shift gears a bit because I want to mm-hmm. ask you. So we we've been talking a lot about 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 ableism with the difference between ableism in the Western world and then in back mm-hmm. home. Um, so me as a white disabled person, I always want to understand mm-hmm. what advice would you give to white disabled influencers, cough cough me, and like a whole bunch of other influencers on like mm-hmm. disability Twitter and disability internet. How yeah. what, what advice would you give to like white disabled people who are doing activism to recognize our own colonialism and our own racism yeah. in the in the community? Yeah, I'd say like um don't be oblivious of the privilege that you hold. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I realize that we're we're we we're like disabled folks, even white disabled folks may think that like oh, I'm the most marginalized. But, you know, when you add like a racialized disabled person into the mix, there's just like a whole level of marginalization going on, right? So I find that it's easy for disabled folks, like white disabled folks to forget that there's still a certain level of privilege that they hold, especially when it comes to getting what they need uh, with regards to access. Like yeah. access is like often like available more to white disabled folks um, than racialized disabled folks um, because the medical system um, tends to believe like let's say if I'm sick right and I'm going through something I'm going through uh, some disabled stuff uh, yeah, yeah. related pain like and then you were sick as well they would take you more seriously into investigating what's going on than a racialized disabled person who's sick with the same symptoms or and stuff if that makes sense no it totally Um, does and i know you're right and i've heard it i've heard it from other guests too and every time i hear it it breaks my heart a little bit because it's just wrong you know, like even like when dealing with OTs and all that stuff, like like occupational therapists, doctors, there's there's just like a certain level of privilege that's given to white disabled folks than racialized disabled folks. So just like to like as we are fighting for access and rights, it's like not to forget about you know your brothers and sisters who are racialized disabled folks like also the struggles that they occupy right and also within that disability activism space to also make more room for racialized disabled folks so that their voices are also heard because when we look at um the amount of influence let's say influential influential disabled folks there's a lot of white disabled folks who are in high places and have a lot of influence then you would find a racialized disabled person of influence i mean i I think and i say it all the time like 
the reason why I get to do what I do is partially because I'm white. Right. But if I was a black disabled person, who knows the, the the type of platform that I'd be fighting for. Exactly. And I think we need to like, I always say on the show, like, and I'll say it more now. Like I said it last year during the, during all the riots and all the stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. I want to make space for more black disabled voices. Cause like, mm-hmm. yes, my platform's great. And yes, it's nice to be like called a yeah. celebrity and that's all nice. But like, yeah. who the fuck cares if the, if the voices of the people that need to be heard aren't being heard. Yeah, straight up, straight up. So that's that's exactly what I would say. You know, like those who have the platform um, and the, the the social capital, like use that space to include more racialized disabled folks. My question is, mm-hmm. Gift, why the fuck don't you have a podcast? Can we make you a? Let's- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, I I kind of did when the pandemic started. Um, a friend of mine and I, we started uh, a kind of like a podcast. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called Crip Talk Corner, where we just like talk about Amazing. Yeah, anything, Amazing. disability stuff. So Crip Talk Corner, you can check it out on YouTube. Um, and on Facebook, it's under our page, Accessibilize Montreal. Um, but yeah. I'll make sure to link all that. I want to shift yeah. gears again, because I know we yeah. want to talk about I want to understand because I know one of the things that you wanted to talk about and you put in the questionnaire for me was you want to talk about your experiences of dating and disability, which I know for mm-hmm. everybody is a trash fire. So, but how has it been for you, the experience of dating while disabled? <laughs> it's been interesting um, because like most, I'd say over the last like five years or so, most of my dating life has been in online dating. Um, yeah. just because like, you know, so over the last five years, I've been a professional, I work in professionals. So I've been had, you know, uh, enough time to be in spaces where I'm meeting people, uh, you know, in, in gatherings or in places. So yeah. over the last five years, I've been in online dating scene and it's been rather interesting. It's a different game than meeting, you know, than meeting people through mutual spaces um yeah it's people are quite bold in asking inappropriate questions you know right yeah um it, it's 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 like yeah it's it, it really shocks me and i've had so many instances where someone would like like my profile and literally within five minutes of talking they would ask can you have sex oh isn't that the like yeah, no. you're like the millionth guest that have shared right. that, that same story like, <laughs> and then i'll be is... like and then i'll be like yeah of course i can and then this is the worst question can you do normal sex what is normal sex yeah what you is what I mean? that's a, that is a great question what is normal sex like <laughs> what are you asking me can i can i like, yeah. what? so when they ask you that what do you say back to them <laughs> i'm like well i push i challenge them right i'm like well, of course I can. And normal sex, it's very relative. There's no such thing as normal sex. No, it's like so much what you may think than... is normal, what you may think is normal sex, uh, may be completely a normal thing in another environment. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, like sex is just something that's like 
you know, is comfortable and made by the partner that you're with and whatever is being agreed upon and consented on, that becomes the norm in that particular environment. Um, So that's been how I've been navigating that. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah. In your profile, do Mm -hmm. you put like, do you have any indicators showing that you're disabled or talking about your disability? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very, very upfront about that. Um, I was, I'm not, I was not always like that. Like when I first, first started, I'll just have like headshots, <laughs> right? Because like I was, I was scared of having these conversations, right? Yeah. But as time went on, I would say like for the last like three, four years, um, I'm very open. Like my, all of my photos, you can see the full, full body. You can see the chair that yeah, is no chair, yeah. about it. Um, and I put a lot of humor related to my disability in my profile description. Okay, throw it out. Throw me out yeah. something. Like, what is? What are you? What kind of stuff's in there? <laughs> so there's a prompt. There's a prompt on this thing that that says, um, "What's a sh- what's one shower thought that you have?" <laughs> and then uh, I wrote that um, one shower thought that I have is. Um, if I woke up all of a sudden and started walking and all these years I'd been faking, if that's not commitment, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. it shows your perspective date that like, you yeah. love yourself and it's funny. Exactly. And then the about me, I'm like uh, um, disabled black man, black lives matter, inspiration porn artist. If you don't know what it's that is, that... yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, if you don't know what that is, it's a great icebreaker. Ask me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's 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 something along those lines. Yeah. But I like the like, and also talking about privilege too. Like, I think it's important in those digital spaces too, like Tinder and all those dating spots. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're a black disabled person, you're yeah. read differently than say a white disabled person on those apps saying they have a disability. It's a yeah. different thing, and I'm sure whether you've experienced it openly or not, I'm sure there's some in, some racism in there too that we have to unpack as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, like I once I was talking to this girl, and she was like, "Oh, like so, what happened? Like, were you born like this? Blah 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 blah." Um, and then uh, like she went on to say that, um, "Oh, um, I- I'm sure like you." Your, your life was like nothing compared to what you have now in, in Canada, you know? And I'm like, dude. That feels like, weird. Yeah. I grew up in like upper middle class family. <laughs> Back yeah. up, you know, like we were good. We were good. You and know? also, even if you were but, less well off than you were, it doesn't yeah. mean your life is nothing. Like what did you think no. that? That's so weird. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, I've had experiences where like within five minutes, the person will ask me like, so do you have feeling? No. You know, like, so it's like, as soon as they see someone with a chair, some people automatically assume that you are paraplegic. Paralyzed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, <laughs> and I've said this so much on the show and I'll say it again here. Paralysis is not the only way to be disabled and paralysis yeah. is not the only way to be accepted as a disabled person. Yeah, yeah. And I've had positive dating experiences um, where, like, um, 
like I can I can I can actually count on one hand how many positive first interactions I've had in online oh, five. you know <laughs> <laughs> you know and like what I really appreciated was like this person was like hey I've never dated anybody with a disability so I may say things that may be inappropriate please correct me you know because I don't I don't know how to navigate certain conversations you know and you know, that's the correct way to, to that's the that's the right way to gently wade into the waters of things you don't know exactly exactly and I've really appreciated that and even when it got to the point where we are discussing things around my disability and and uh, sex and all that stuff it was like done in a respectful way um and I was good to feel more respected and comfortable uh in that yeah in that environment so good I'm I'm glad that it was done respectfully because usually yeah yeah usually it's not and usually even if even if it's not done respectfully and you have the sex with that person it doesn't feel super good because you're like oh remember that thing you said before we fucked yeah it's weird now and i don't know how to feel about all this (laughs) yeah you know and you know like then there's been instances where like i've had like a whole different thing where like um i was dating this person who was like in a disabled, it was like a disabled ally, let's just say. Okay. Um, like they they do a lot of like activism and stuff. And then when it came to like, uh, you know, meeting in person, like, and I had to explain to them that like, I need to be fed. They were just like, what? <laughs> like, How is that a shock? You know, and like, I'd already explained that in our conversations that like, yeah, I do get fed, um, but it felt weird that like I had to also Somebody check who... someone who's in the space, but also I had to also check in with them if they can feed me when we do our first date. Yeah, you know? and like I'm still like struggling with that. Like I've, you know, I've talked to my counselor in the past um, about how to navigate that when you know dealing with new dates. You know, like. Do I bring this up? Like, I would say you're okay you know, with you feeding me if we the, go. <laughs> the way that I the way that I bring it up on a date, well, and I date men, so it's a bit different. So mm-hmm. like, but I'll say to the guy like, "Hey, do you want to shove that big piece of meat in my mouth?" And I'll make a joke about that because it'll make them laugh and go, yeah. "Oh, you mean you need help?" And then then it breaks the ice. So if you can find like an equivalent hilarious joke yeah. to make, then yeah. maybe. It'll break the ice. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good idea. Yeah. Because like that has made things awkward more than once uh, before. And wow, well, just because you're like, I need the basics met. What they don't realize is that that moment with somebody where they're feeding you, and yeah. I've had dates do it. I've had guys that I'm totally gonna blow later feed me, and yeah. it'll it makes the intimacy of the time you're spending together super you just bond in a way that is different, I think, because they're understanding what your needs are and it can be done, like it it can be done really sexy and it can be done in a way that is sensual. That's not like, oh, I'm feeding this poor. You know, funny thing. So when I talked to my counselor about this, she was like, oh, you know, like you got to understand that like uh, feeding is is an intimate thing. Uh, So like you 
you need to prep someone at least before you meet that like they if they're okay feeding you when you meet in person because like feeding is associated with something intimate but i'm like but it's not for me it's not like i'm gonna be like super like flirtatious as they're trying to feed me and make them uncomfortable you know what i mean like it's although a i mean if you, like, if I mean, you both don't say if you could be that like you could <laughs> you know but like that was like a weird thing you know like we're like really so like i really need to navigate this and you know um but yeah, yeah i mean i did an episode way back like 121 mm-hmm. where i said like hey these are the foods you should you should eat on a yeah. first date and i took the idea of like what you should eat on a first date and i yeah. applied disability to it so if you're ever bored and want to find out which food is like the the sexiest to eat with a partner i think yeah. i i think i gave some good mentions that i can't remember but i think i did interesting i'll, I'll check that out 121 you said yeah yeah i'll send it to you don't worry i'll send it to you okay um, okay. um <laughs> but i know i i i i love sitting down with you and i could sit down with you for like two more hours um <laughs> but i seriously think you should have a podcast we should talk about that yeah. but um I think I might have run out of the questions that we were going to talk about today. But, Do you have any, anything else you wanted to chat about? Anything else that I wanted to chat about? Um, yeah, I mean, I know you are interviewing me here, but I'm curious to know. Um, like, Oh, no, how, turn the table. I'm ready. Go. I'm, I'm turning the table here, you know. Do it. Do it. I, I, I'm curious to know um, what has been, like, how did you get to a point where you were comfortable to discuss your needs with your potential uh, dating partner uh, in a way like, like what was the turning point for you? Cause I'm sure you had bad experiences in the past until like, you know, you came up with great strategies and. I'm never comfortable that like, there is no great strategy that I've come up with. I have the same fears and the same discomfort you have every single fucking time that I have to think about going on a date with somebody all that stuff comes back up, which is partly why I was like, fuck this dating thing. I'm just going to hire somebody to get like the sex I want when I need it. And uh-huh. then dating can come later or maybe it won't come or like, but I don't think that I've ever, people always say like, oh my Andrew, you're so confident. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a fucking mess inside. Are you kidding? What? Like, so to huh. that, I would say like, I haven't found a strategy. I haven't found a way to be comfortable like I kind of just go in knowing that I'm totally uncomfortable, being like, okay, huh. let's just try and see what happens. Huh. That's interesting. That's actually encouraging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have never guessed. I've never guessed because like I'm like, yo, like Andrew's so confident. He must oh, like, no. figure no, out no. this dating life. So no, no, well, no. You totally know? not. Totally, completely the opposite of what you thought. Totally messed up. Totally have internalized ableism all the time. So right. don't feel like I'm certainly not a role model of how to do dating the right way. Certainly not. Right. <laughs> so like for, I, I, I know you said you talked about it in another episode, um, but when it comes to food, like, cause I know for me on the first date, uh, in-person date, I don't, I don't eat spaghetti. I don't eat rice. You know, I'll eat something. Really rice? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's too messy. So like even I, like risotto, even risotto. Like I don't, yeah, I don't mess around with that. Like I will eat eat sandwich or a pizza, 
um, or yeah, something that's do not too crummy. Do that thing that all cripples do, which is like, I'm not gonna drink because then I have to pee. And then oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if we're going for like coffee or if we're going for like some drinks, um, I make sure that I only take small sips for oh, the no. first hour. <laughs> Yeah. For the first hour, right? And then the last 30 minutes of our date, I take the big, the big gulps. Uh, <laughs> so that, you know you'll be going home soon. Because I know I'll be going home soon. My taxes coming, you know, at such a time. So like for the first like hour or so, I'm just like sipping, like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> there have been so many dates I've been on that I wanted, and they never got past the first date, but there have been so many dates yeah. that I've been on that I was like, okay, I'm just going to order chicken fingers and fries and have no drink. And, yeah. you know, and you want to drink, but you're like, I can't. No one's going to help me here. What do I do? No. no, exactly. So that's been my strategy, you know. Uh, but a good strategy that you may want to try one day is have a banana before your date, like as close to the date as possible. You know why? Because then you're full. Because you... the ban- yeah, you're full, but not only that, but it kind of dehydrates you a bit. It... <laughs> I don't know if we should be advocating dehydration for disabled people. So, yes, have a banana, but make sure you drink a lot after your date. Don't dehydrate yourself. Yes, <laughs> Gift and I, neither Gift and I are doctors. We are not medical professionals. Oh, gosh. <laughs> hey, if you feel like, you know, today's a good day to dehydrate myself, have some bananas. <laughs> if you're, if you are someone who, like, and if you want to have a really sensual fruit with somebody, there, I mean, a banana, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Like, yeah. it looks like a dick. So, like, <laughs> if you wanted to play with your date that way but uh, but i'm not advocating dehydrating yourself but i totally get like a gift we both understand like yeah. having to not drink because yeah. you can't on a yeah. date that's hard that's hard yeah. um but seriously you and i could sit down for like four more hours i want to talk to you when i hit off about maybe helping you make a podcast because you really should have one or turning <laughs> trip well, trip talk corner or turning yeah. that into like a bigger thing we should talk about that because ah you're too good places thank you thank you thank you so much um but how do the people how do the people get a hold of you how do they how can they support you yeah uh they can get hold of me on instagram um my handle is ut choir so u-t-c-h-o-i-r um that's my that's my band actually amazing um, uh and uh they can get hold of me on facebook uh gift s dot um accessibilize montreal blurring the boundaries uh or yeah i definitely feel like this is a one part conversation i feel like there'll be a part two there's so much more i want to talk to you about there's so much more and i wouldn't be i wouldn't be stopping the podcast if i knew that my attendant was going to knock on the door in like five minutes Otherwise, you'd be like, let's talk for more. So we're not done. This is definitely part one. And I will have you back at some point. I promise. Ah. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was such a pleasure. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Bye. Cheers.
Alright friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore or you can follow my website www.andrewgerza.com to find out more about what I do and of course you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.